Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin the King's Letters from France in December of 1944 as he prepares for his first trip to Paris. Stanley writes to his family on December 5, 1944, from A72. Dearest ones, the old mail is still coming. Thank goodness. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be receiving a damn thing. I don't know why I'm not getting any at this APO. The one I received was written October 28 in Chicago the same one in which you complained because of not hearing from me. It doesn't look like it will ever get straightened out. We'll have to be patient and be satisfied with what we do get. I sincerely hope Leona and Margie are well. The mail would stop just when I'm so anxious to know all the details. There are so many things I want to know, like the color of her eyes, her hair, and who she looks like. By this time, she must be a little doll. I only hope she will be as good a baby as Richie was. Tell me how Richie reacted when he saw her for the first time. I know he'll be crazy about her. How I wish I could be there to help take care of her. Hurry up and take some pictures. Send me lots and lots of everybody. Tomorrow is the big day. I'm going to Paris to see what it's like to live again outside of four-wall room. By this time tomorrow night, I should be blind from scotch and champagne. Bill will meet me there Wednesday. We'll have one night together. That should be the wildest night Paris has ever seen. When I come back, if I can remember what I saw and did, I'll write you all about it. Our champagne ration came in tonight. This month we only got two bottles per man. With eight men in the room, though, we have ample for a good party some night. I think we're going to save it for Xmas. A few packages have been received in the room, and everyone is saving his to eat over Xmas. One day we're going to find a tree for the room so we can put the packages under it. It surely won't be like anything at home, but it will be as pleasant as we can make it here. There isn't much new here. I spent most of the afternoon ironing my clothes for tomorrow. I'm getting to be a good housemaid, although I have a French woman doing my laundry now. I have four to my credit. My next mission will be with the new crew. I'm sure we'll get along swell. Please keep writing. I'll do the same. Keep well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. As our hero, the Silver King, prepares for Paris, he's ironing his clothes and thinking extensively about his new niece, Margie. And in the years to come, Uncle Stanley would be wonderful in his role. He loved Richie and Margie quite a bit as he writes to his family on December 9th, 1944. Dearest ones, The mail surely is getting better. 
Last night I received your letter of November 2-1, the fastest yet to come through. Gee, but I do hope it continues that way, for at this rate your packages should be coming soon. I'm really looking forward to them. You're so sweet to me. If you sent all of them as I requested, there isn't any more I could need. Perhaps I can think of something the next time. I don't mind telling you that your very sweet letter left me with a lump in my throat. I know that if you're with me now, I would smother you with kisses, for I love you with all my heart, my dear. I pray God will bless you and keep you for being the most wonderful person in the world. I'm so glad Leona and the baby are well and at home. You must be having a wonderful time taking care of them, and I can imagine what a swell little helper Richie must be. I just wish I could be with all of you to share in the excitement. Yes, I should have known the house would be filled with flowers. I'm sorry I couldn't add my share to them, however. My thoughts are with all of you. Give the baby and Richie a big kiss for me, along with all my love to everyone. Before I went to Paris, I was getting too much sleep, but now that I've returned, I can't get enough. There's so much to tell about my two and a half days in the gay city. I hardly know where to begin. Although I might start out by saying there isn't much that I remember. You might deduce from this that I was drunk the majority of my stay. And you would probably be right. We took five-fifths of scotch with us and brought back nary a one. Do you see what I mean? I arrived there Tuesday noon. My first impression of the city was as I had always imagined it would be. The artistic beauty of it all was really breathtaking. The old architectural structures of the last century were beautiful. You could see a stroke of genius in each brick and stone. The streets are wide, heavy with traffic of every type and description, and the sidewalks are jammed. There really wasn't any evidence of war that I could see. Most surprising of all was finding a very efficient subway system throughout the entire city. In fact, I would say the Paris subway is much better than that which I saw in New York, perhaps even a little more crowded. Fortunately, the weather turned off fairly nice, the sort of early fall weather in Chicago. As soon as I arrived, the Red Cross billeted me in one of the hotels taken over by the Army for officers. Our particular hotel was nothing much to speak of, an ordinary second-class hotel as you might find anywhere in the States. As soon as we had cleaned up and cracked a bottle, we went to the clothing PX and to the coffier. I bought a few things and got the first haircut in two and a half months. Then it was back to the hotel for dinner, as that was the only place we could eat. After killing another bottle, we started out to the nightclub section. The city is still blacked out, so there are no fancy neon signs or fronts to the places. The first joint we hit was a small bar where we met some women. 
Obviously, that's all I can say about my first day and night. Let it go at this. The French women are the sexiest on earth with no modesty, morals, or scruples. Wednesday, I met Bill. He's fine and sends regards to you. It was swell seeing and being with him again. We were going on a sightseeing tour conducted by the Red Cross, but unfortunately didn't make it in time. So we decided to take a walk down the Champs-Élysées. On the way, we saw the Avenue de Triumph and the Eiffel Tower. Both are beautiful structures and very impressive. On the famous avenue, I saw the most beautiful women ever. You never saw such crazy but pretty hairdos, and the clothes are stylish and beautiful. The majority of the people speak some, if not good, English, especially the women. You can guess how they picked it up. We stepped in a bar, got tight off champagne, and spent the rest of the evening. There was dancing and a small floor show. The orchestra played American tunes, even a rumba. The women are good dancers. Some can even jitterbug. Believe me, had it been a long time since I had had so much fun. Enough said about the second night. Thursday afternoon, we finished the scotch and saw a French stage show. I had planned to do some shopping, but unfortunately, my money ran out before I could get around to it. There is a terrible inflation there. The franc is worth only about a quarter cent in Paris, while we pay two cents for one. We take an awful beating from it. But somehow the fun we derive from it repays us. I hope to be able to buy you some perfume when I go again the end of this month. So there you have the complete description of my first trip to Paris. I didn't see as much as I had wanted to, but what I did see can't compare with any city I've yet seen during my travels. In my opinion, there isn't another place comparable to it. I would have written you last night, but by a stroke of misfortune, I was drafted to chaperone a dance for the enlisted men given by the Red Cross here on the base. I had to go after the women in a nearby town and after the dance to see that they got back safely. I was dead on my feet because I hadn't had any sleep to speak of, and this morning I was up long before breakfast. As soon as I can finish this, I'll go to bed. I received a letter from Dad also. Yes, he really wrote me, and it's a letter I wouldn't take anything in the world for. Honestly, yours and his letter left me with the warmest glow. I know my morale hit the ceiling. Please continue to write, and above all, keep well. I love you and miss you, Stan. The Silver King's first letter about Paris was four long descriptive pages. He saw the sights, including the Arc de Triomphe and the Eiffel Tower, and he loved the night scene and the ladies. Paris has no match in his young life. And that's true for a while as we conclude part one of The Silver King's Letters, Dearest Ones. 
from December of 1944 in France. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. 